Hello, I'm David Bush, and welcome back to Bush History. This is the third installment of my ongoing series on precedent-setting Supreme Court decisions. This time it's Gibbons versus Ogden, and the year is 1824. You can get additional information on any of these cases in an entire American history course on my website at www.bushhistory.net. That's B-U-S-C-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y dot net. So let's take a look at Gibbons versus Ogden. Gibbons is a, an interesting case because it's actually going to be based on a precedent of an earlier case in McCulloch versus Maryland. But uh, first, let's do some background. In the early days of the Republic, there were long-established practices. And these practices became habits, and they went on, and people did things just because that's the way we've always done them. And as as long as no one complained and it didn't interfere with anyone's lives, they let it go until it did interfere with people's lives. And that's kind of what this is a situation about. A New York state law gave to individuals the exclusive right to operate steamboats on waters within state jurisdiction. In other words, intrastate. Laws like this were duplicated throughout the country. It led to friction occasionally between states when boats would venture into other states' waters, when waters connected. And in this case, Thomas Gibbons, a steamboat owner who did business between New York and New Jersey under a federal coastal license, challenged the monopoly license granted by New York to Aaron Ogden. New York courts consistently upheld the state monopoly. So Ogden had a license from New York State, and Gibbons had a national license. This was a bit different, though, because trade was between two states, New York and New Jersey, and of course they were trading on the Hudson River. New York was giving Ogden a monopoly on interstate trade, and this was a chance to revisit the supremacy decision of McCulloch in 1819. So the question is, did New York exercise authority in a realm reserved exclusively for Congress? Or was this Congress who should be doing this? So it was a unanimous decision, and this is still the Marshall Court, and the decision kind of went, under the Constitution's Supremacy Clause, the New York monopoly was void because conflicted with federal law. Specifically, the unanimous court found that New York's licensing requirement for out-of-state operators was inconsistent with a congressional act regulating coastal trade. The New York law was invalid by virtue of the Supremacy Clause. In his opinion, John Marshall developed a clear definition of the word commerce, which included navigation on interstate waterways. And that's a big deal because we're talking interstate, not intrastate. He also gave meaning to the phrase among the several states in the Commerce Clause. Marshall's was one of the earliest and most influential opinions on who could control trade in what way. Obviously, it would be uh, the federal government controlling trade between the states. Can you imagine if we have railroad tracks with different uh, distances between the, the parallel tracks as you went from state to state? And that's really where this would go if they let it continue like that. So in a concurring opinion, Justice William Johnson He wanted a much stronger position that the national government had exclusive power over all trade, negating state laws. Uh, The precedent then becomes the supremacy of the national government over interstate trade and reaffirms McCulloch. So one more time, the precedent was that national government 
is superior over state governments for interstate trade, and that McCulloch is reaffirmed, and McCulloch once again goes back to who's got more power, the states or the national government. Of course, the national government does. So for now, I'm David Bush, and this is Bush History. And this was Gibbons versus Ogden. The year is 1824, and it reaffirms the supremacy of the federal government in dealing with interstate trade. Have a good day.